We are uh, excited that you could join us on this Easter Sunday. This is actually my uh, first Easter Sunday as a uh, lead pastor, and I'm coming to you uh, via online only uh, this particular Easter. And so this is a unique, uh, unique situation for me and uh, one that I'll probably remember uh, for many, uh, many years to come. But I am still excited to uh, have the uh, chance to share the word with you this morning. I believe that this, uh, this word, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, will really uh, challenge us, refresh us, and, and even just give us uh, a sense of hope as we kind of give ourselves and focus on really the meaning and the purpose of the resurrection of Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you, even uh, in your homes or wherever you're watching at today, uh, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 24. We'll get there in just a moment, Luke chapter 24. And we're actually gonna look at the whole story um, of the resurrection and even some of the post-resurrection accounts that we see uh, in scripture. And so go ahead and have your Bible prepared and we'll have that up on the screen for you here in just a few moments. But I just wanna make a few comments as we get started together this morning regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First of all, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, as we know, has really shaped all of human history. Uh, John MacArthur writes these words. He says, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single greatest event in the history of the world. It is so foundational to Christianity that no one who denies it can be a true Christian. A person who believes in a Christ who was not raised believes in a powerless Christ, a dead Christ. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then no redemption was accomplished at the cross, and your faith is worthless. Uh, Paul will say a very similar thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He writes these words, and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, Paul says, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. We also know that the resurrection of Jesus is a foundational truth to the Christian faith. Paul will write these words in the beginning of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. He will say, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. This is the gospel that Paul uh, notes and states here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he highlights the importance and the foundation of not only the cross of Jesus Christ, but also his resurrection. Uh, Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus and how he shattered death will open our eyes to four very important benefits, four truths that are made available to us today that I wanna share with you this morning. Number one, because Jesus shattered death, it renews in us a sense of hope. Look at Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse number one. And it says this, but very early on, on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. 
And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. And stooping, he peered in and he saw the empty linen wrappings. And then he went home again wondering what had happened. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, as we take a few moments together today to um, look at the story of the resurrection, and as we unpack the truths and the meaning of this story, not only for those in the first century, but for us today, I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear more clearly from you today. And help me, God, to communicate, to share your truth with boldness, with clarity, with simplicity. Help me, God, to decrease so that you, Lord, would increase together today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Again, because Jesus shattered death, it renews in us a sense of hope. It's very interesting in this story in Luke chapter 24, the first 12 verses, is that we see that there was a significant change in perspective that took place at the empty tomb. I want you to consider for a moment this morning the journey of the women to the empty tomb. We know that uh, just at the end of the resurrect or at the end of the crucifixion of Jesus, that the women had prepared some spices to give Jesus a proper burial. But because of the Sabbath, they weren't allowed to go and, and offer those spices up, so they had to wait a little bit longer. And so we see here in the text in Luke chapter 24 that early on Sunday morning, the women made their way to the tomb with one intention in mind. They went to properly bury Jesus with these spices that they had prepared. What's very interesting is that when they get to the tomb, their perspective had changed because they saw the, the tombstone rolled away and there was no body in the tomb. It was empty. They went to properly bury Jesus, but at the empty tomb, their perspective changed and they recognized that there was something different. Their life was changed in that moment when the announcement came from the angels that he is not dead, he is not here. Instead, he is alive. And so the tomb for these women brought a restored and a renewed hope to their life. We also know that Peter's journey to the tomb brought about a significant change in perspective. Peter, the disciple who denied Jesus three times prior to the rooster crowing, was wrestling with shame and regret because the Messiah, the Lord, his King, his Savior, who he served and who he committed his life to, he thought was dead. But upon hearing the announcement of the women when they returned to the disciples, Peter quickly ran to the tomb and he stooped in and he looked intently at the empty tomb. And he looked to see what 
was inside and he recognized that there was no body. Instead, he saw the linen wrappings there. Jesus was alive. And so for Peter, his perspective changed. He went to the tomb expecting to see a dead body, but instead he saw an empty tomb. A new sense of hope had been restored in him, and a second chance for Peter was likely made possible. Because Jesus shattered death and the tomb is empty, the reality is for you and me that our hopeless circumstances can easily be transformed into hopeful possibilities. With death for the believer, we know that scripture teaches us that we don't have to grieve as those who have no hope because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our present diagnoses and our financial crises are only temporary because there is a day coming when there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sadness, no more suffering. A day is coming when we will be in the presence of our Lord and Savior, and that is made possible. That hope has been given to us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The instability and the inconsistency of our earthly home will one day vanish when we arrive and we are in our eternal hope. The reality is for believers, this is not our final home. This is not where our citizenship lies. Paul says very clearly that our citizenship is in heaven. And so we are just foreigners passing through. And we know that Jesus says to his disciples in John 14 that he is going to prepare a place for him, for us. And so we are waiting, we are expecting, we are looking forward to that day when we can spend eternity with our resurrected Lord. The resurrection makes that, that hopeful reality possible for you and for me. We also know that because Jesus has shattered death, that broken relationships here and now and wounded friendships can be reconciled. And the possibility for restoration is indeed possible. Because Jesus has shattered death the reality of a resurrection and what it does for us, for you, for me, is a beautiful promise that we can look forward to and the hope that can be restored in us. Number two, because Jesus shattered death, one of the beautiful things is it reveals the authenticity of God's word. I want you to consider for a second, I'm not gonna read it, but it's also found in Luke chapter 24. I want you to consider the story of the two disciples who were traveling on the road to Emmaus. Just after the, the death of Jesus on the cross, three days later, there's two disciples that are traveling on their way to Emmaus. And while they are traveling on this road, they are entering into a conversation with one another. They're talking about the things that had happened in Jerusalem. They're discussing the, the death of Jesus and they're talking about the prophecies and the things that had been stated and they're trying to discern what just took place and while they're traveling on the road and they're engaging in a conversation back and forth, another man, a third man shows up. It's actually Jesus in his post-resurrected state. And they don't recognize him at first. And Jesus appears to these two disciples who are talking about the things that had just taken place in Jerusalem. And they're asking this man, did you hear what happened in Jerusalem? Did you hear about this man, Jesus, who was crucified? And there was a promise that maybe he would resurrect three days later. 
And in this conversation, Jesus still unrevealed to the two, two disciples. Jesus said, well, let me, let me tell you, let me reveal to you what the law and what the prophets, what the scriptures say regarding these events. We read in chapter 24, verse number 27, it says, Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And we, so, we know that because Jesus shattered death, it reveals the authenticity of the word of God because we read in scripture, we read in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, and it says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Isaiah 55, verse three, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. And he was whipped so we could be healed. We also know in Isaiah 53, verse 10, again, from the writings, from, from the law, from Moses and from the prophets, it says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy, enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. So what, is this, what does this mean? It means, first of all, that his word, the word of God, is absolutely true. That statement goes against the, the culture that we live in today that says there is no absolute truth. A culture that says whatever you want to be truth for you can be truth for you today. Tomorrow it might look different. And so the reality and the promise that there is absolute truth and that his word is truth goes against the grain of our culture. But because Jesus shattered death and because the tomb is empty, we can be certain today, we can be confident today that his word is true. Number two, we can also certainly and confidently trust God's word as our final source of authority because Jesus is alive, because the tomb is empty, and because he fulfilled all of the promises that were recorded in the Old Testament. You and I and all of humanity today can not only trust in the authority and the truth of his word, but we can be confident and we can be certain that his word is our final source of authority. We also know that number three, because he shattered death, he, Jesus, does not go back on his word or his promises. When he promises to his disciples that he is going to prepare a place for them, we can go to the bank on that promise. When God promises to be for us and not against us, we can go to the bank on that promise because he shattered death. He is alive and the tomb is empty. When he promises that one day we will spend eternity and we will gather around the throne with every tribe, every nation, and every tongue and, and declare his praises, worship him and exalt him, we can go to the bank on that promise because Jesus is alive. Because he shattered death, it reveals the authenticity, the truth, the authority of God's word. This isn't just some, some random book that maybe is worth reading once a year or every once in a while. This is the word of God which is alive, it's powerful, and it's truth. 
Jesus will say, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so I just want to encourage you and I want to challenge you and remind you this morning that because Jesus is alive, because he has shattered death, and because the tomb is empty, when you give yourselves to the word of God, not only can it be your guide, it can be your source of authority, it can also be something that you look to and know that when you read it, it is true and that his promises are indeed true. And I am thankful for that this morning. Number three, because Jesus shattered death, it reorients our purpose and our mission. Look at Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. It says, then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send, listen to these words, Jesus says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because the tomb is empty, you, myself, and all humanity, our life's mission and purpose now has new meaning to it, now has new purpose to it. There's a few things I want to share with you this morning. Number one, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been given a new mission. Jesus will say later on, just prior to his ascension, after his resurrection, he will say to his disciples, very specifically, he gives them a commission. It's called the Great Commission. And he will say to them, very specifically, I have called you to go and to proclaim or to preach the gospel into the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he will say, you will receive power from on high when this Holy Spirit comes up on you. You are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, number two, we've also been given a new perspective. No longer should our mind, should our thoughts, should our heart be on things that are temporal, things that are here on this earth, but because of the resurrection of Jesus, because he is alive, and because he has shattered death, our mind, our thoughts, our heart should be directed toward things that are eternal. Again, knowing that our home is not here, that our, that our final dwelling place is not here on earth, but he is preparing a place for us where we will one day spend eternity with him. That should change how we think, how we live, how we respond to circumstances here and now. Though life may be difficult here, though we may face a crisis in the moment, the reality is this is not our home because of the resurrection of Jesus we have a new perspective, an eternal perspective, and we are to think on those things. Number three, we've been given a new power. Jesus will say to his disciples, I want you to wait for the promise of the Father to come upon you. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when that power fills you, Jesus says, it will give you the ability and the power and the authority to not only proclaim my word, but to do so with boldness, and to proclaim the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. This power, the Holy Spirit that has been promised to the disciples, it's promised to all of us today. 
allows us to be an effective witness for Jesus Christ. And the reality is the Holy Spirit cannot come unless Jesus is resurrected and then ascends to the right hand of the Father. And number four, we've been given, because Jesus has shattered death, we've been given a new life. We've been given the promise of repentance of sins, the gift of God. Paul will say in Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Later on, he will say in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you shall be saved. And so because Jesus has shattered death and because the tomb is empty and he is alive, we've been given the promise of new life, life with Christ. And this life is available to everyone. Finally, number four this morning, because Jesus shattered death, and this is probably my favorite point that I want to share with you today, it releases the intercession of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus paved the way for him to ascend into heaven. We read in Luke chapter 24, verse 50, then Jesus led them, the disciples, to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them, and while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is making intercession for you, for me, and for all of humanity. Listen to these words of Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us, and he was raised to life for us, and now he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And listen, what is he doing? He is pleading for us. He is pleading for you and for me. The one person that had the right and the privilege to condemn us for our wickedness, our sin, and the evil of humanity was Jesus. But instead of condemning us, he died for us. He was raised to life. And now he is sitting in the place of honor, the right hand of the Father, and he is praying continuously for you and for me. What a, what a great truth, great reminder this morning. And I just want to encourage you today, wherever you may be, Jesus is continuously praying for you. And the truth of the reality is that if everyone else stops praying, and if no one else is praying for you today, there is one who is still praying. It is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our resurrected Lord and Savior. And now he is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he is praying for you. I don't know what your hurts may be. I don't know what struggles you may be dealing with this morning. And you may feel like the world is caving in on you. You may feel like you have nobody else to turn to. You have no hope left and that nobody even cares about your concern. But I wanna remind you this morning that Jesus, he cares. Because he is alive, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is pleading 
on your behalf. He is praying for you today. And because Jesus is alive, because he has shattered death, and he is resurrected today, we now have you, me, and all of humanity. This is a beautiful truth. We have immediate access to God through Jesus. The writer of Hebrews records this. He says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And then the writer will say, verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Because Jesus is alive and because he is sitting at the right hand of the Father this morning, you and me, we have access into the throne room of God. We can touch the throne room of God. We can draw near to him because he is alive. We don't have to wait until a priest goes and offers a sacrifice. We don't have to wait for the right uh, season or celebration each year at any moment in any part of the day because Jesus is alive sitting at the right hand of the Father. We all have access into the throne room of God where we can touch him and draw near to him. We can talk with God anytime. If we're struggling, if we're wrestling with something, we don't have to wait until just the right moment. But at that moment, in our struggle, in our pain, in our hurt, we can talk with God. We can present our needs and our requests to him. And the writer of Hebrews says that in that time of hurt and pain, that he will give us the grace and the mercy to help us when we need it most. We have access into the throne room of God. And finally, his resurrection and his ascension, they guarantee my resurrection and your resurrection. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, but there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. In Acts 1, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud. While they were watching, they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday, listen to these words, someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And as I've said already, Jesus writes or states these words to his disciples in John 14. He says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, Jesus said, I will come and get you 
so that you will always be with me where I am. Wherever you're watching from this morning, I want to just ask you now to close your eyes for just a moment if you're in your living room, your kitchen, your dining room. And I just want you to listen to my voice for a moment this morning. These four benefits that I have referred to very simply this morning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the fact that he has shattered death, it gives us new hope, proves the authenticity of God's word, reorients our life, purpose, and mission. And it also makes the intercession of Jesus Christ powerful and available to you and me. All of these benefits of the shattered death that was accomplished through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they are only possible to you and to me. We do, as Paul says, we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. If you want to experience that renewed hope this morning, then we have to simply confess him as Lord and believe that he is indeed alive. If you want to be able to grieve in moments of difficulty and in times of loss, grieve as one who isn't grieving without hope, then we have to confess Christ as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. These benefits were made possible through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But in order to receive these benefits, we have to receive the one who conquered the grave, the one who is alive, the one who is sitting right now in the place of honor at the right hand of the Father. I don't know where you may be in your walk with the Lord. Maybe you are sitting in your room today and you've never made a commitment to serve Christ. You've never confessed him as your Lord. And, and honestly, you could say you've not served him. I want to just encourage you wherever you may be this morning. You don't need me to be present. You don't even need me to speak. But in your heart at this very moment, you can just simply say to God, God, forgive me, cleanse me. Come and live inside of me. And when you confess him as your Lord and you believe in your hearts that Jesus is alive, scriptures are clear. They say, then you will be saved. So if that's you this morning, you've never invited Jesus to come and to take up residence in your life. You've never made him the Lord or the master of your life. Wherever you're at this morning, you can do that today. I want to pray for you, and then we want to spend just a few moments in worship together today. I want to thank you for joining us on this Easter Sunday morning as we celebrate the beauty of 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and if you are in this moment making a commitment for the very first time to serve Christ, to make him the Lord of your life, I wanna encourage you to reach out to us. We would love to not only just pray with you, but, but to walk with you in this journey. You can reach out to us by commenting, messaging us on Facebook or emailing me at kyle.holt at dunkirkgt.org. But I would love the opportunity to pray with you and, and to kind of guide you along this journey. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because death has been shattered, we have hope. Hope that the difficulties that we face now, the challenges that we face now are only temporary. That one day we will see you face to face. One day we will gather around the throne of God. People from every nation, every tongue, every tribe. And we will worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, I thank you that because you are alive today, it validates the authority of your word. You conquered death, you shattered death. Therefore, with certainty and with confidence, we can trust and know that your word is true, it is, it is alive and it is powerful. Because you shattered death, you've given us a new mission, new purpose, new focus. And God, because you shattered death, You are now interceding. You are pleading on behalf of your children today. Even when everyone else stops praying, Jesus, you are still praying for your children. For that I am thankful. Thankful that you are alive. And I'm thankful that one day, with my own eyes, I will get to see and worship our resurrected King and our Lord. For those this morning, God, that maybe are making a commitment for the very first time to serve you, Lord, I pray that they would just simply whisper in their hearts, maybe with their friends or their family that they're gathering with together today, may they just simply whisper, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord, and I believe, God, that you raised Jesus from the dead. Now, come and live inside of me. Cleanse me, forgive me of my sins, and make me a new creature. And in that moment... In that moment, we are saved. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege we have to worship not a God who is dead, but a God who is alive. We worship you in Jesus' name.